0: All right, let's open with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Our good and generous Father, we're thankful that we can have this time to be together digitally and look into the theme of generosity in Scripture. We thank you for your word that reveals a generous God to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So, Let's do a little catching up so everybody is on the same page. What are we studying? Unmute yourself if you want to talk. I think that will be the best uh, option we have. Generosity. Generosity. That's right. We're looking at the theme of generosity in scripture. Uh, I I think it's a a big thing in the Bible uh, the more we learn to see it and look for it. Uh, We said that last time, a couple of Sundays ago, that generosity is much bigger than what we do with our money or our possessions. Generosity should be the posture of our lives before God and before one another. It's that significant. Uh, But if we're going to understand generosity and be shaped by what the Bible has to say to us, then we have to start with God and who he is. Uh, Because we can't ultimately understand what it means to be generous if we fail to see that God is a God of generosity. Um, Last time, we started with the fundamental reality that God is not in need. He is is never in need. He is self-sufficient. He is self-existent. Does anybody remember that fancy theological term for God's self-existence? My wife is raising her hand. Does anybody know? What is the fancy theological term for God's self existence? Transcendent? My wife is saying, aseity uh, is the proper theological term for that. Um, it literally means from himselfness Uh, there's no one else like the god of scripture uh, because everything else exists in dependence Uh, but god is transcendent he doesn't need anything in creation he is independent from it um, because he's made everything Uh, which means that god is the giver of all things and he owns all things according to paul there's nothing we could give to him that he should ever repay us back, uh, which really uh, is the starting point of God being the generous host of the world. He gives out of his lavishness, out of his abundance and love, and not out of need. And finally, uh, we asked the question, uh, what God's first generous act was? But you know that? the answer to that question anybody what was god's yeah. first generous act creation creation yeah who said that me. okay okay <laughs> that doesn't help me but anyways um yeah god's first generous act was simply that he created You know, God is self-sufficient. He didn't need to create. And the fact that he did is lasting proof that he is generous. And not only that, he created everything good. Uh, We know because of that repeated phrase in Genesis 1, uh, where it says, and he saw, that is God, saw that it was good. Uh, But it wasn't until God created man did he say it was all very good. It's literally, literally good, good in the Hebrew. Um, God's creation becomes doubly good after he makes man from dust. Uh, Why? Because man is the only creature made in God's generous image. Man is the apex of creation because he alone most reflects who God is uh, being made in his image. And so that brings us to this morning's lesson. Uh, We're talking about God's image and how generosity relates to that image. Uh, Really, it's what we will be talking about for the next three weeks. Uh, This morning, I want to focus on God's knowledge, that aspect of his image, and how he liberally gives knowledge to us that we might know him more deeply and ultimately reflect him to his creation. And so here's the big idea for us this morning. Uh, God in his image is fundamentally generous in revealing himself to us. I'll say that again. Uh, God in his image is fundamentally generous in revealing himself to us. Uh, God's revelation of himself is a way for God to express his generosity to us. Uh, Because again, God doesn't have to reveal himself to us, just as he had no need to create. So God doesn't need to share his knowledge uh, to us, because he is completely and absolutely free. He could have made everything, including human beings, without ever revealing himself, Uh, But that's not what God did. He he chose and he chooses to make himself known. And in doing so, he demonstrates that he is a generous uh, God, generous in revealing knowledge to us and all of creation. And so historically, Christian thinkers have distinguished God's revelation in two ways. Uh, Does anyone know what those two ways are? Anybody?
1: One is general revelation.
0: That's right, general general revelation. What's the other one, guys? It's gonna be rough.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna, we'll get there.
0: Special, okay. revelation. Special, special revelation. Special revelation. Cool, cool, cool. cool. okay. Right, okay, so let's tackle the first one. Um, so the first way God reveals himself is in general revelation. Uh, what do we mean when we talk about general revelation?
1: His creation?
0: Yeah, yeah, his creation. It means that God has and continues to reveal himself in and through creation. Uh, it's God communicating communicating himself through nature Uh, i like the way the Belgic confession puts it if you're looking at uh these the outline for this lesson uh you'll be able to read the whole thing but i'll i'll read the first section Uh, it says by the creation preservation and government of the universe which is before our eyes as a most elegant book wherein all creatures great and small are as so many characters leading us to see clearly the invisible things of God. And so it's general revelation is God revealing himself through what can be seen. It's when we see the invisible reality of God through what is visible. So whatever is tangible, whatever our senses can experience, uh, God is proclaiming to us through those things, who he is. Uh, This is part of the reason uh, God declares his work, all of his work to be good. In fact, uh, after God created man, he declared it very good, as we noted earlier. Um, As I said last time, this way of looking at the world was very foreign uh, to other ancient worldviews and religions. It's profoundly novel in the ancient world uh, to to think that the world is created good because they all thought creation, the physical world was evil. It's something to overcome. Uh, This is especially true for the Gnostics. As one writer puts it, the Gnostics, uh, for the Gnostics, creation was not followed by a fall as in Judaism and Christianity Creation was the fall. They were a single tragic event. Uh, let me ask this question then. Why is, it, why is it important we don't go in that direction? The direction of the Gnostics and everyone else in the ancient world, that the world is evil. Why is that important that we don't go in that direction?
2: God said it was good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah. God said it was good.
2: Well, if the world is evil, then God must be evil because he created the world.
0: Yeah, we're, that, that's good. Yeah, we're, we're, we're impinging evil on, on God. Um, but here, the thing I want to point out is that if we say that the physical world is evil, uh, then nature has nothing good for, uh, to say to us, right? Uh, but of course, nature does have something good to say to us. Uh, let's turn to Psalm 19, if you have your uh, Bibles open there or handy. Let's turn to Psalm 19. I'm sure you're all familiar with this passage. I wanna consider the first six verses. All right. To the choir master, a Psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. So the heavens are not silent, are they? Uh, They have a voice, and everyone hears what they're saying. But what are the heavens saying, according to Psalm 19?
2: god's glory
0: yeah god is glorious right is that simple uh proclamation of god's glory that when we look up at the sky they're telling us how weighty god is remember that word for glory uh, literally means to make heavy the sky says that god is heavy he is significant Uh, by the way can the heavens literally speak can you hear actual voices coming from them, right? You can't. Uh, uh, I think we need to see the doctors if we're hearing the sky talk to us in, in, audible, in an audible voice. I mean, but just what kind of, what good of a witness are you if you can't actually talk? And so no of course the heavens don't literally speak in audible voice voices but there's sp- uh, but they speak right their speech is peculiar but they are speaking they are speaking by way of their presence to us the grandness of the heavens are saying look god has made all these stars that you can't even count the sky is shouting day and night that god is our generous maker. He has made the big things in the skies and he's made us who are significantly smaller than the big things in the skies. And so the heavens are proclaiming God's glory. In fact, the whole creation is proclaiming God's glory. Uh, Remember what the seraphim were saying to each other when Isaiah saw them in the throne room, right? Isaiah six, Uh, The one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. But what creation can say about God's glory is limited. Uh, Paul famously uh, said this in Romans 1. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So nature reveals to us God's eternal power and divine nature, right? God is generously revealing his power and divinity through nature. But of course, God makes himself known to us in another way. This is that second way of God revealing himself. What is that? Anybody tell us? Does anybody have their Bibles? Right. The second way that God reveals himself to us is in his word. He generously gives us his word. Uh, what for? That he might reveal further to us who he is. That, that he might make known his glory in a way that nature can't. Uh, what does the scripture, scriptures reveal that nature alone can't? Uh, since everybody's quiet i'm just gonna answer it uh uh scripture reveals god's saving love for sinners right nature alone can't tell us that and so scripture is god's personal speech to us as sinners it's his love letter to us as it were that we might know him and love him in return in a way that love him in a way that only people who live by faith can love him and know him, and so that we might be more like him. Uh, that's Paul's encouragement to Timothy about scripture in 2 Timothy 3. Uh, he tells Timothy, but as for you, continue, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood, You have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation. See, there it is. Through faith in Christ Jesus, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Uh, Let's go back for a minute. Uh, to Psalm 19. We read earlier that God is revealing Himself uh, through the heavens. They're talking about His glory day and night. Uh, in fact, they can't stop. Uh, now let's read verses 7 through 11. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warmed. In keeping them, there's great reward. Uh, Notice the psalmist referred to God as Elohim or God earlier in the chapter. The heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, But as soon as the psalmist turns to God's law to his testimony his precepts his commandments his word he starts to call God by a very particular name uh, what is that name uh, well it's God's personal name the Lord or Yahweh uh, the tetragrammaton uh, God reveals to us his personal name and all of that's attached to that name And where do we we encounter that name? Well, it's in the Bible alone. Uh, This is why it's only the scriptures that are able to revive the soul, to make wise the simple, to rejoice the heart, to enlighten the eyes. These are things that nature can't do for us. Nature can tell us about God's power and his divine nature, but His but it is only in the word do we encounter the Lord, Yahweh. Uh, Here's what I think the Bible does as we begin to look at nature in light of it. Uh, Scripture allows us to interpret nature in a different way. It allows us to see more of God's character more than just his eternal power and divine nature as we behold things visible. You see, the scriptures give us a surplus of meaning when it comes to the visible uh, because they awaken in us our spiritual imagination that we might never see the same way again. And so with the lens of scripture, nature communicates more. Uh, I call this scriptural abundance. Uh, Let me give us a few examples uh, of this. Uh, What would happen if we cultivated this kind of scriptural imagination as we look all around us at things visible, right? When we look outside and see grass and flowers, what if we thought of Isaiah 40 while we are looking at them? Right? The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Or what about when we're eating a sandwich? What have we thought about Matthew 4 while we're chowing down? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, maybe this could be fun, and, and I hope you guys can interact a little bit. Uh, can you come up with some of your own examples, right? As you, as you look at things visible, do any of those things remind you of scripture?
1: Birds.
2: Birds.
0: Birds what about
2: the lilies
0: what what about the lilies what 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 scripture reminds you of the lilies
2: about being garbed in them in
0: that's right okay
2: how much more value we are than the lilies of the field yeah isn't
0: that wonderful when you look at a lily you're reminded of what? Not just God's, like, beautiful creation, but that he cares for you more than that thing, right? Uh, anybody else? Sand on the seashore? Sand on the seashore. That's good. The thoughts that God has
2: toward us are more numerous than the sands on the seashore.
0: Wow, that's wonderful, isn't it? That's cool. I I hope when we go to the beach, next time we go to the beach, we're reminded of that as we put our toes between sand. I I saw trees. Trees. Yeah. What about trees? Oh, well, I'll hit on uh, Psalm 1 in a moment. So, So trees is really good. I mean, we could, I could do this all day. I, I, I love doing this. As I, as I look around me, I, I like to connect uh, scripture and be reminded of what God has to tell me uh, through the things that I see. Uh, actually, I think we should be doing this all day. Uh, we should be contemplating God's word all day long as we look all around us. Uh, I love the way the Psalter opens about the happy or blessed man. Uh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and night. Uh, notice what he goes on to say. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields his fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You see that connection? There's that blessed man. And then immediately the psalmist turns to nature. He likens the blessed happy man to fruitful trees by water with green leaves so that we have a transformed vision when we see fruitful trees, reminding us what we ought to be like in the Lord. Well, even more, uh, we encounter God's personal revelation of himself to us even more deeply in our own bodies as human beings made in his his own image Uh, because the bible uses human traits characteristics to reveal more of god Uh, does anybody know what the technical term for that is when the bible uses human traits or human characteristics to describe god what is that called does anybody know
2: personification
0: or that's close
2: okay
0: (laughs) anthropomorphism yes anthropomorphism right um the reality is god is not like us he is wholly other he is infinite we are finite we have bodies he doesn't Uh, but still Scripture uses human characteristics to explain to us what God is like so that we can know him on our level. Uh, This is everywhere in the Bible, isn't it? God sets his face against evil, Leviticus 20. Obviously, God doesn't have a face, but there's that image of the Lord, the Lord's face turned against evil. Uh, God makes his face to shine upon us. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. God's ears are open to our cry. Uh, the point is, God is revealing himself even in and through our bodies. That we might look at our faces, our ears, our eyes, and we are reminded of God's work. Uh, Calvin, Calvin uh, puts it like this no one can look upon himself without immediately turning his thoughts to the contemplation of God. I think that's cool. Um, when Cool. When we wake up in the morning, when we look at our faces in the mirror, Calvin says we should be reminded to contemplate, to put our thoughts on God as our faces remind us of him. I I think God's personal revelation to us, even in our own bodies and and, and out there in nature, that revelation should be something we're all familiar with. There's something substantially different between knowing about someone and knowing someone. The difference between, it's the difference between strangers and lovers. Uh, It's the reason that creation looks so different to those who know God and those who don't know God. What do I mean by that? Well, when people who don't know God look up at the heavens, they comprehend God's glory, his divine power, and nature. Even if they are suppressing it, they are comprehending it. But for those who do know God, those who love him, The heavens aren't just revealing God's power and glory, they're revealing even more. The heavens are giving us a surplus of meaning because of scriptural revelation. Uh, No one who doesn't know God can say, when I look at the heavens, at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? and the Son of Man, that you care for him. Unbelievers can't look at the the sky and say that. The heavens, for those who know the Lord, tells us of God's providential care for man, that God cares for us, and that care humbles us. That just isn't so with someone who has no personal connection or relationship with the Lord, with the God who reveals himself to us in a personal manner in scripture. Uh, This is the reason that unbelievers will never understand the Lord's Supper. I can just hear them saying, right? What's so special about bread and wine? Uh, But for us who do know God personally through the scriptures, these regular bread and wine spiritually feed us. In and through them, we participate in the life of God. That is something that the unbeliever will never understand. And so, bread and wine communicate something so much more to us because we're acquainted with God's personal revelation through Scripture. Okay, so, so we looked at uh, general revelation and, and special revelation or scriptural revelation. Um, And I want to close briefly with this, and it's our last point. Um, God's generous revelation of himself in nature and in scripture is ultimately congruent with his character, right? And that's just a simple point. It, It all accords with who he is, his character. Why? Because God is our prophetic God. He's the God who ultimately loves to reveal truth. Uh, From the outset of creation, uh, from scripture, uh, God has been revealing himself. Uh, The writer to the Hebrews says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Uh, Those who came, before us knew him because God spoke to them by the prophets notice what it says God's very word was uttered by the lips of the prophets he didn't just send them with with their own words but he was speaking through them the words that they spoke are God's very words Uh, The prophets were instruments to reveal the words of the prophetic God. Uh, That's Paul. Uh, Paul says it in this way, again, from 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is breathed out by God. Uh, But God's word were mediated by the prophets. God used them as instruments. Uh, along with the apostles, to write down the scriptures. Um, But what does the writer to the Hebrews say uh, in these last days? Uh, He says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Uh, Jesus Christ is God's eternal word. In the previous uh, generations, God spoke through the prophets and apostles, but in these last days, God has uttered his word through his eternal son, the word of God made incarnate. And so Jesus is the decisive word of God. We find the height of God's generous revelation to us in Jesus Christ. Because we see that generous revelation consummated in Christ incarnate, God, the word of God incarnate revealed to us in Jesus. Now that, I think, is um sums up God's generous revelation to us um uh in scripture Uh, does anybody have any questions No questions? Uh, comments, rebuttals, uh, rebuke, anything?
1: Yeah, give people a minute because there's okay. the technological aspect as well. Can't just raise hands, you gotta unmute.
2: But. This is Sandra. Good job preaching to an empty room.
0: I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. What happened? Sandra Richard
1: said, good job preaching from home.
0: It's oh, a difficult thing. You. you should see my setup. It's very, uh, it's very makeshift. You've given
2: us so a-
1: God. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, mom
2: given us a lot to think about. Now, when I go out for my walks, I'm going to look at things differently. I've always appreciated it, but but not like the way you described it. So, thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome.
1: So, what is God ultimately giving when he reveals himself in in nature and scripture?
0: He's giving himself. um, He is the self-giving God, and, and and that's part of the lavishness or generosity of God, right? And and in the coming weeks, we'll we'll um, we'll look at God's generosity in His love, because we're looking at God's image. Uh, we're we're going to be looking at the, His generous love for us, and then His generous uh, rule, His generous dominion for us, in, in the next couple of weeks. And and it's also say that. Uh, this is God uh, giving himself, being who he is, being at, uh, being the generous God. Charlie, I see you. Uh... Can you hear us? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. okay. <laughs> we've had
1: some muting issues uh, this okay. whole time, why we've been mostly silent. Um, it makes me think of the application, just to offer a comment. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the focal point being... Um, how revelation um the uh, a pinnacle of, of generosity which is what the substance was and it made me think of of how we relate to each other
0: as the body of christ um being uh generous in our revelation of ourselves to each other um
1: standing in the light per se not um fearing each other since we are already Uh, so intimately known by our creator god but Mm -hmm. laboring and striving and seeking to um, maintain that intimacy through self-revelation as image bearers so that was that was my thought
0: yeah that's that's a awesome reflection i think that's that's spot on
1: i think finn has a question
2: yeah what is scripturality what is what
1: scripturality
0: scripturally is that did he say that scripturality yeah scripturality <laughs> <laughs> Not <You sure>. <laughs> sure. probably it's probably when we use the, the bible god. i
1: think well, i think you, you said i think you said the scripturality of god speaking which is different from him speaking
2: nature yeah. Um,
0: right okay. yeah, yeah it's god speaking through us through the bible
1: Good question. Well, we don't want to cut off any questions or comments. We've got a couple more minutes uh, if everybody wants, or we can close in
2: prayer. I think Dave and I have the uh, best background on our screen here for this subject matter because here we sit in our gorgeous back uh, back solarium and we watch the sun come up in front of us and it sets behind us, behind this row of trees. And I was thinking about the scripture that says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. So every day we see that very dramatically. If you can that distance. It's, it <laughs> seems a little more finite here than it is actually in actuality. But um, we uh, we have a lot more opportunity out here to, to notice that general revelation and yeah. um, those things.
0: Well, our view is pretty good, as you know. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, like, even if you're confined to just not have a such a great view as, as, as your house, like each other is a reminder, like human bodies, right? Like I said earlier, like they're, they're wonderful reminders, um, of of God. And it's not just the beauty of creation, but also the, the, I don't want to say mundaneness, but like the, the daily encounter with human bodies and, and our bodies included. Charlie? I'd actually argue that our view is the best since man is the apex of creation and there's so many. Oh (laughs) man. Good stuff. What about
1: babies? Fearfully and wonderfully made.
0: Exactly
2: miraculous really in a lot of ways we're watching one grow up in Canada now (laughs) but we have uh whatsapp so we can see the daily changes in our grandson as he as he starts to try to communicate starts mimicking noises back and forth to his mommy and daddy already at three months so just you know living that again through him
1: Sounds good. Well, Brian, do you want to close in prayer and then we'll uh, take a short break before worship?
0: Yeah, let's pray. Our most merciful and generous Father, uh, we give you the honor and praise for revealing yourself to us, for being generous in knowledge, love, and rule, uh, that we might know you and reflect you in this broken world. Uh, Be with us as we prepare for worship, in Jesus' name, amen.